you're better off buying what you think is a good business at a fair price. Buying and selling businesses just got a lot easier. Welcome to the Web Equity Show, where thousands of successful entrepreneurs go to learn about buying, growing, and selling online businesses. Your hosts, Justin Cook and Ace Chapman, share their real-life advice, examples, and expert interviews to help you build and grow your own online portfolio. Now to your hosts, Justin and Ace. Welcome to the Web Equity Show. This is our 15th episode. I'm your host, Justin Cook, and I'm here with my co-host, Ace Chapman. What's going on, buddy? What is up, sir? Another great episode coming. Yeah, man. We are talking legal considerations when buying and selling online businesses. Just a quick question, Ace. Do we have to do the whole I'm not a lawyer thing here? I mean, you hear this on podcasts. You hear people talk say that all the time. I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV. Is that kind of what to throw in here, buddy? <laughs> I think so, man. And, you know, anytime I get the legal questions, I am quick to remind people that I'm not an attorney. I do deals. And if you want legal advice, you should go to an attorney. <laughs> I want to hear a podcast with an attorney that just goes, nope, the buck stops here. I am a lawyer and this is absolutely legal advice. I'd love to hear that. If anyone knows of a podcast where there's a lawyer saying that, I got to have a listen to that one, man. You, know, As you said, you know, we do deals, right, on both sides of buying and selling real online businesses and offline businesses. But, you know, there are legal situations that we just haven't dealt with. We haven't done that, that type of deal. And so I think talking to an attorney about what could be is interesting. Talking to an attorney about different kind of oddball deals they've run up against can help you prepare against those and help you avoid those types of pitfalls and problems. Yeah, especially as we're starting to do larger deals. I remember back in the day, you know, you get into a deal, you have some issues and, you know, it's a tiny deal. A lot of times people were willing just to say, you know what, I've made a mistake, shouldn't have dealt with that guy, I'm moving on. When you get into larger deals, I feel like a lot of times people just aren't going to walk away from those situations. If something wasn't done correctly, they're going to pursue it. And so now it's becoming even more crucial that everything be done the right way. And we understand the legal ramifications to how we do these deals, how we structure them, what entities they're going into. And that's some of what we're going to get into on this episode. Yeah, having a path to resolution, I think, is helpful and you know, avoiding some of those pitfalls in the first place. You know, I, I talk about CPAs and attorneys being deal killers. You know, that's kind of their job, though, right? <laughs> They're supposed to kill deals that shouldn't be done. And for deals that are getting done, they can help structure in a way to help you avoid problems down the road. Now, one of the things I, you know, lawyers, man, I don't know, not a huge fan of lawyers, but you know, they're needed, right? And I think the best lawyers are those that will warn you about the risk, right? They tell you, okay, here's where you're exposed. Here's what your risk is, but they're not all judgy about it. And they ultimately leave it to you to make the business decision. Those are lawyers I like working with. When they start to get judges, oh, you can't do this, or you shouldn't do that. That's when I kind of tune out, man, because there are business needs and, you know, business plan that's outside of your attorney. So I like when they kind of like stay in their lane and advise you on what your risks are and then allow you to make the decision because of the better attorneys to work with. Well, and that's exactly the reason that I asked David to come on and be the attorney that we did this interview with is because you need an attorney who has an entrepreneurial side. You know, I don't expect to go out to some random attorney that has never heard of internet 
business buying and have them understand or get what you're up to. The, the main, their goal is to protect you. So they're going to say, that sounds absolutely crazy and risky. And, you know, here are all the reasons in the world why you absolutely should not do that. And so you have to have somebody that has some kind of entrepreneurial balance or some understanding of this stuff, because we are still dealing in a little bit of the wild, wild west. You know, this isn't going to fit into some cookie cutter case law about buying and selling businesses because it's all this stuff is fairly new. So I'm excited to have David on to because he's actually gone through our program. He's bought a deal. He was a M&A attorney and still does a lot of that stuff. So it provides a little bit of that balance. And at the core, I could tell, you know, we were talking and I got to do this one in person with him. And, you know, we're talking about some of the issues and I can tell he's like, ah, you know, he's still an attorney at heart. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Like there's just so much gray area. You were talking about, you know, the Wild West and, you know, same thing happened with the CPA last week when we were talking too, right? Like there's just, you know, you have a case law. Yeah. We don't really know. I mean, you get this answer a lot from attorneys and CPAs because, you know, the laws are just behind this like very fast moving and fast, you know, burgeoning industry. So, you know, they're like, we think it'll work this way. And this seems to be the best, <laughs> best bat to take. So it's, it's really interesting. It's great that he went through your program. So he's very familiar with the industry. I actually haven't listened to this interview, so I'll be interested to listen to myself. Before we do that, buddy, let's do a listener question. We got an email from Jordan Sweentech. He said, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of the podcast. For someone starting out, it's been my go-to resource to learn the business of buying websites. appreciate that, Jordan. He said, as a Canadian buyer, is there anything different in the transfer process when buying a U.S.-based business? Will the revenue change to Canadian currency when I take possession, or do you most purchase under an American LLC. I know you're not an accountant, you don't play one on the internet, but I'm sure you've worked with a few Canadian buyers. Just curious if there's anything I should keep in mind beforehand. Thanks. Can't wait for the next podcast. Thanks for the email, Jordan. So if you're a Canadian and you're looking to buy, let's say, US-based business or UK-based business, and all of these deals generally almost always are asset purchases. So it's good to house them under a company. It can be a Canadian company. It can be a US company. It can be a UK-based company. But how they're getting paid, you know, it just depends. So if it's in the US, they're most likely, uh, let's say it's doing US customers and it's making US dollars. It's going to be in US dollars. If you want to convert that money to your own bank account or whatever, you're going to have to do that conversion. You're going to lose just a bit on the conversion to Canadian dollars anytime you're doing some kind of exchange. If you're doing a lot of exchanges, you can look to things like Bitcoin. And I don't mean holding your money in Bitcoin. That sounds scary as shit. But you can use Bitcoin to transfer money. And a lot of times you can save a bit on the currency fluctuations and trying to get the money out of one country and into another. That's especially true when you're working in you know countries like Pakistan or countries that are like not as amazing. India, not as amazing to get the money out of Bitcoin can be really helpful. What do you got, Ace? What do you think about this one? Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Only thing I would add is, you know, he was wondering if most people do purchase under American LLC. And, you know, the truth is we see all kinds of entities from all over the world. You know, I've had clients use uh, entities from Israel to Cape Town to eight Hong Kong. 
So it's not necessary that you buy with an American LLC. There's no kind of legal reason to do that. The only thing might be just, you know, doing an exchange or have an American bank account. So that's what you want to take into consideration. But it is, it's not that, you know, everybody is using an American LLC to do these deals. Yeah, I think it's a good idea, though, to house it under some company. And, you know, that's like the kid licking the paint problem, right? Like, you don't want to say you're selling e-commerce kids toys or something some kid licks the paint dies and they want to sue you you want to make sure that you're limiting your liability limiting your personal assets and you know problems with that if they sue they sue that company and not you personally so there's some definite benefit there all right man let's see what david has to say about it looking forward to this one buddy Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Web Equity Show. I'm excited to be here with attorney David Rubenstein. We actually worked together earlier this year, helping him to get his very first deal done. And so it's exciting to have him here from that perspective. But also, you know, he's an attorney that it's in this space. He's actually doing deals. And, you know, it's going to be fun to talk to somebody that can speak from that perspective. So today we're going to talk a little bit about his background, what in the world made him consider getting into this wild and crazy, what most people would right now refer to as a wild, wild west of buying and selling internet businesses, and you know a little bit about his plans. And from the perspective of an attorney, some of the things that were interesting to him coming into this space. So we'll talk about some of the issues that people bring up. But before we do that, I want to give David a chance to introduce himself and talk a little bit about his background before jumping into his very first internet deal. Thanks, Ace, and it's great to uh, hang out with you again. Just quickly, I practiced law for about 15 years. I was a transactional attorney with uh, some big law firms doing everything from real estate deals to M&A deals to working with startup companies and venture capital firms. After grinding away at that for quite some time, I'd also gotten involved in some real estate development and management work on the side. And that went pretty well for a number of years until the big crash in 2008 and 2009. About 2010, I'd gotten fed up with practicing law and the hours and the grind. And I decided to start a business with a friend of mine. And we did that for a number of years. That was hard work too. I mean, you can have the right idea. You could have the right people executing it. You could have some good capital. You could work really hard, and at the end of the day, you could find what we did, where we basically ended up selling it and breaking even for several years' worth of effort. So after we closed that up, I was looking for what I was going to do next. And this is when I was actually starting to get into uh, consumer marketing, which I'd start to appreciate my side deals in the real estate space. And I heard you do a podcast. And to be honest, it was speaking to me. Go out, find an existing business, one that you know that you can, you look at it, you, that you can maintain the cash flow, or maybe even you see a way to cut costs or increase revenue and make it more profitable. And that seemed like a great idea. And you talked about how you can invest both online and offline. And I like the idea of an online business, minimal employees working a lot with contractors. So you could easily change up who you're working with, find the best professionals in the space who are going to do the work you need, hopefully at the best price also. And we started working together, and it didn't take very long. We found a cool business in the financial blogging space that I was very into, and I bought that. We closed at the beginning of April, 
So it's uh, been about six months now, and it's been a good experience. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. I've learned a lot along the way, but I definitely see this one as being a successful venture. So I know when we initially started talking, you were considering an offline business. You know, we started to talk a little bit about internet businesses, and that's one of the big debates in the space. You know, I've been on shows where we've debated the pros and cons. Obviously, at the end of the day, I believe in both. You know, I own offline businesses. There are a lot of opportunities that exist there. Baby boomers are needing to get rid of those businesses. But there are a lot of deals that are also great on the internet side. So I'm curious, from your perspective, was it that made you decide to do that first deal as an internet as opposed to offline? I think for me, a lot of it came down to time management. In the offline space, your ventures are one way or another going to involve managing employees or you consistently putting in the time and the effort. In the online space, you know, you could take a little time off or spend only a couple hours on a week on and you're still getting your traffic because this is an existing business. But when you're going online, you got to do your due diligence. So this is something, you know, we talked about, not, you know, the site's going to have to have a history. It's going to have to be around and you're going to have to believe those traffic numbers that uh, spammy or scammy techniques weren't used to generate those numbers. So at the next Google refresh, they fall off the face of the earth. So this was a critical thing that we talked about. And I think my years also practicing law and, you know, doing due diligence on deals made me comfortable with the idea that I could spend time, figure out what it was we needed to know about the traffic sources and how to evaluate it and do that due diligence to properly evaluate any acquisition, not just from a cash flow perspective, but will it be around next year and three years to pay off the money we're investing? And these were critical issues. And I think at the end of the day, we found a seller who really was a great guy, who had a great site. He was selling just because he had found changes in his life circumstances prevented him from having the time to keep his site up to date and fresh. And just going in and updating the old content and making it fresh again resulted in a nice bump in traffic that is not going to go away. So that was like a good opportunity. Now, it didn't come at a discounted price, but it came at a fair price based upon his prior 12-month cash flow. So, you know, we're looking just to improve upon that by freshening things up. That's something that I think a lot of people are surprised by because I get people all the time who say, why would somebody be motivated to sell a really great business? And it's like people have life circumstances, just like they're motivated to sell a really great two-seater and buy a minivan because their family's growing, you know? So people have life circumstances that come up and you can find a really great business that somebody really does need to sell. And in some cases, they're desperate to sell and then you end up getting a great deal. So one of the things I'm curious about a couple things. Number one, you know, being somebody that has had a background in M&A doing some due diligence, I'm curious what made you join our program. And then I'm also curious, coming into the internet space, were there things that you were surprised by? You know, I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, there's some brokers that don't believe in having contracts. They kind of do everything on an escrow basis. You see the deal and there's no contracts assigned. I've done a lot of those deals. It works well. We know there are other folks that do contracts. And, you know, the deal that we did with you that had a contract between you and the seller, So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about both of those things. All right. First, why I signed up with you? Well, 
I mean, that's kind of an easy question. I, I heard you on a podcast and I thought you were speaking exactly to me. You were doing what I wanted to be doing at that time. And you had a great perspective. We spoke on the phone a couple times. I even drove up to Chattanooga. Now, I only live 90 minutes away, so it's not, not a killer drive. But I drove up, we met in person, and I really thought that you were going to be a great coach and mentor to help me look at the process and evaluate businesses and develop my own steps and processes to successfully evaluate what we're looking at, which I really actually felt you exceeded my expectations, which were high. So good job. I would really actually like to spend a minute talking about contracts. I know some of the online businesses that people buy are for very small sums and they're very small businesses. In that case, you know, I'm not uncomfortable with doing just a put the money in escrow, do your diligence and close. You're going to have to take some risk. And even if you have a contract, try going and enforcing it. What if your seller is overseas or the amount involved is so small, is it going to become worthwhile? But to be honest, if there are things that you want to happen after closing, you definitely want a contract. You want people to know what the expectations are. And I would say, number two, you want some sort of holdback or pricing mechanism for some of the revenue that the seller is getting so that if the seller isn't meeting the expectations laid out in the contract, you have a way of punishing them, which is clawing back your hold back or reducing the portion of the purchase price that happens after closing in some way. And this way, everybody knows what they're supposed to do and you know that the other party is going to perform. The worst thing is going and actually suing on a contract and trying to see what happens. I mean, it could take a lot of time and a lot of effort to make the attorneys, you know, line the attorney's pockets And at the end of the day, you might not ever get what you want. You would just have satisfaction of some level of revenge. And to me, that's not the way I want to live my life. And I have to be honest, I read something the other day. Warren Buffett says he doesn't even do due diligence when he does his acquisitions. He just looks at the numbers and looks into the uh, seller's eyes. And that's how he knows that that's, that performance is going to happen after closing. So now I don't know that I can read into somebody's eyes as well as Warren Buffett, but give me time. That is one of the things that a lot of people take for granted as well. I think I talk to people all the time that think that, oh, man, Ace is a hardcore negotiator. I've been on the phone with people when we're getting a deal done. And they say, oh, well, we know you're getting over on us in some way. We just want you to know that we know, even though we have no idea what it is. Because it's like, no, like when we do deals, it has to be win-win with the seller. You need both people to want the deal to work. And so that's what we spend a lot of time doing. So that is a tip for anybody who's looking at these deals. When it comes to doing a deal with a seller, as much as possible, you want to create that win-win scenario where you're helping the seller get what they want and they're helping you get what you want. Anything you would add to that, David? No, I, I just totally agree with the idea that it's you're better off buying what you think is a good business at a fair price. And after you close, there's stuff you're going to want the seller to help you with. So you're not going to want them to feel full or cheated in some way. You know, as they're helping you figure out how the site or, or any, even an online, offline business, sorry, how it's run and how to make it hum. You're going to want them help if it's a business of any size. So I agree with that approach. So, you know, as you looked at the contract that you had for your deal, was there anything that surprised you or that was we just kind of coming into this space and starting to negotiate? I know sometimes you can get into these things and it's like, oh my goodness, this is wrong or that's wrong because, you know, you guys know what, how things are supposed to work. And like we said, this is a little bit of the wild, wild west. I guess this goes to my comfort level with contracts. So I actually thought the contract was very straightforward covered really what we needed to cover, and it was not over-lawyered. 
but that goes to my level. I would say somebody wanting to look at these deals and get a contract in place, definitely find yourself a lawyer who's on business deals so they can look at it, you know, what's going on, but also what might be included that you should think about adding to the contract. You know, what people want to say that lawyers are just making money by, you know, <laughs> pushing papers around, but I think one of the great experiences about being lawyers, it's the best way to get a link to tons over and over again. When you're working on all these transactions, you see what the business people are thinking of, you see what other experienced lawyers are thinking about, and you really start to learn to think, like, what's essential to making this deal happen and work? What's essential to protecting my downside if things go badly? And you want to make sure that of content is included in the contract. does long times. But fact of the matter is, you only get one chance to sign that contract. After it's signed and things don't go the way you want, there's no redos, unfortunately. So that's where I say it's worth a little investment of time and money up front to make sure you know what the expectations are, both when things go well and badly. A lot of people don't understand this, but I have seen deals that go bad because the seller sees that the buyer starts to explode the business. And then all of a sudden they have something to go They start trying to change things or weird things happen. And that can be a huge issue for the buyer. So you bought business, you know, you've been in a few months. Tell me a little bit about your plans for the future. So I'm actually spending this time learning about the online world and learning how to improve both our traffic, how to improve our conversion rates, you know, how to get people to buy. And it boils down to just solid advice. And get it. so if you provide solid advice with good affiliates, people are clicking and going through. That's what it boils down to me. And I'm not in what I want to take, what I've gained here, how to organize a business people who could help me out the marketing and the the search optimization and you know even the back end technical stuff and see if I can build a team I would love out and find other online businesses and be able to grow my monthly capital by getting involved in more businesses that I can exploit the advantages I have off this first business which is knowing good professionals who can work with to help me make it better so that's where I see myself heading down the road will it be 6 three years well, we'll have to find out exactly how long it takes, but I'm working hard at it. Well, I will say, over the last few months, you've been able to grow the traffic of your first deal 30%, which is a pretty huge feat. I mean, so I'd say it's probably going to happen quicker than you might even expect. Well, David, thank you so much for jumping on the show. I think people are going to get a lot of value just knowing that all kinds of people from different backgrounds are in this space and doing these deals. I talk to people all the time that, you know, well, I'm a dentist. Is this something that I do? Or, you know, I've never done anything online. Even business owners, you know, here in Atlanta and also time with a, a guy who owns some car washes who's a part of the program last night and done a ton of offline businesses but never done anything online and it can be a little bit intimidating I think on both sides it's intimidating for internet guys to look at offline businesses and vice versa but it's neat to see people with very backgrounds that are coming into this space and do deals just like everybody else so I appreciate you taking some time excited to see the future of this deal and the others that you do in the future and glad that we got to work together. Thanks for listening to the Web Equity Show. Now is your chance to be a part of the action. Go to www.webequityshow.com slash gift and send us your business acquisition or exit question and have it answered on the show. 